Thank you, Lord. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we come into thy presence with thanksgiving in our hearts because that thou hast redeemed us for thy unchanging love. And we're so happy for it today to know that we're not left alone. Once when we were alienated from God, we were in the world, cut off without mercy. And how we can remember back of those days, how we used our young life and frolic, so sorry of it, Lord. We're ashamed of our past. We pray that you will let us look forward to the future of making a more example for you in doing your will. We're here today by thy grace, knowing this, that many who sit here now, if you shall provide for me to come again next year, some of these will be gone. They'll have to meet you. Maybe many of them are young. Some of them may be old. But we don't know what time that you'll call for us to answer there. Be merciful to us, God. And may this day be the time of decision for many people that they will make their minds up this day to serve you. We ask this for God's glory in the name of his Son, the Lord Jesus. Amen. Our little stage, would you hear in Columbia has certainly been a great blessing to Billy and I and Gene and Leo, the recording boys. We're only sorry that we just had these few days to, that we could be with you. You have been very nice to us, and I'm grateful to you and to our good pastor, and I pray that God will bless this little church and with every church that's cooperated here. All these brethren, and not only those, but all the churches there is throughout the land today. And I trust that by God's help, at next April, I believe, Brother Bigley told me that he would like for me to return back, having full cooperation and fellowship with all the other churches, all be together as cooperating in the meeting. We'd like to bring the big tent and seating some 15,000 and set us out here for about four to six weeks so we could teach and many times the people in their healing phase. In a few days, they do not know just how to stand up against the enemy. They can always have a chance to come back then and then be dealt with again and see where their mistake has been and what's happened along the way. And we're planning that if it be the will of God next year. Thanks to every one of you. Billy just told me a few moments ago, I believe, or Brother Leo and them, when we come in the building, they've taken a love offering from me. I didn't necessarily have to do that. I appreciate it all with all my heart. I never come for that purpose. I come to be a servant to you in the name of the Lord. And I never took an offering in my life. I pastored the Baptist Tabernacle. For 17 years in Jeffersonville without even a salary. I never took an offering. I worked as, as a game warden in the state of Indiana. And I never took an offering in my life. I remember one time that 
You know how you get sometimes where you can't make ends meet? We all have those places. I remember I said to my wife, I'm going to take an offering tonight. She said, I want to see how you look when you do it. So I said to one of the deacons, now not because that they wouldn't do anything for me, but I just, I could work, young, didn't travel, so why just depend on the church. And it was bad times, so I had the deacon to go get my hat. We didn't even have an offering plate. And he started, I said, now I've just met one of these conditions where I just have to ask you maybe put in a nickel or 10 cents, something another, to kind of help along. Got a place that came cross over already, and I said, Would, if you'd be so kind to do that, I'll appreciate it. The deacon went to get the hat. There's a little old mother there that I always admired, a very godly little woman, old-fashioned mother, and she had a little apron, uh, like the women used to wear in the old time. And she pulled out a little pocketbook, just about that long, and opened it up and began to go down in there and get those nickels. I tell you, it seemed like I'd been Judas's character about it, tough that. I, I couldn't do it to save me. I said, I was just teasing him. I didn't mean that. And the deacon was, I had to know what to do. And there was an old man who used to come to my house by the name of John Ryan. He had long beard. He used to belong to the house of David or looked like his dad, but he, I don't think he did. He had the long beard and hair, very fine man. Not the John Ryan out the field, but the, they take me up to the Jewish synagogue to question me on it. This is another John Ryan. And uh, he rode an old bicycle down there to my place one time, and he just left it there and gave it to me. Now, I had a dime, so I went out to the 10-cent store and got some paint and painted that old bicycle and sold it for $5. Didn't have to take up the offering after all. So I've never took an offering in my life. So, uh, but what you have done, uh, it's appreciated. My expenses are great. Expenses at home runs $100 a day, whether I'm preaching or not. And you can imagine it, sending out thousands of ribbons and things across the world, everywhere, what it is. And I have a small office, just about four working, and we send out naughty calls and answering the mail and then and other places where it comes into the Christian businessman in different ways. And then we have about ten different offices across the world. And they take it and translate it and break it down and send it and we send them just masses of ribbons and things to send to the, the sick and afflicted. You said I sent handkerchiefs, but I don't have the capital to do that with. I operate small, so I get hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of yards of white ribbon, take it over when I go home and go way back in a place to myself and just pray and cut it off like that and send it to the sick and the needy. And the Lord Jesus has blessed those efforts wonderfully. And if any time you need one, just write me. Post Office Box 325 at Jeffersonville or just Jeffersonville, Indiana. It'll come to me. And uh, we'll be glad to send if you want to help in any way. If you need one, carry your Bible. Put it in Acts 19 and just leave it there. They're like a little baby gets pneumonia or something. Why? Just stand and get the handkerchief and go get it out of your Bible and lay it on the baby and have it there. It's just a token what it is of your faith in God. That's all there is to it. So we have seen great things done by it, great things. A few weeks ago, I got a letter from Germany that a lady had been crippled with arthritis for years. So when she got the handkerchief, she couldn't get in the prayer lines over there, so she got the handkerchief and she pinned it on it, got instructions on what to do, and she said, now, devil, get out of my body. So she just got up and went walking on. I just that simple. She was healed. People look for healing of the body to be so complicated very simple. Just taking God at his word. Just 
just saying the same thing he does. And so, by stripes I'm healed, and that settles it. Now, and I've often said this, the night never gets too dark, the rain never falls too hard, but while I would help you to the best I could, used to be I'd say I'd come to you, but my, you can imagine how I have noticed I have four phones that answer, and I've had on the average of 60 long-distance calls per hour, day and night, the clock around. 60 an hour, you can, it's long distance, not local. You can imagine how calls are coming from all over the world. And so I can't come, but anytime I get to a phone, I pray with you, and I'll be praying with you all the time. And now perhaps I'll be in Africa and India and many foreign countries before I see you again. And one of the witch doctors are standing out making a challenge, which they gladly do. All the soothsayers and so forth are standing up trying to make their challenge. The winds are blowing hard and the skies are terrible. Can I depend on remembering Columbia? They're praying for me here than you've been doing that for Thank you. I'll be praying for you. May God watch between us till we meet again. Seeing old people and people are badly afflicted and age is stricken, a crowd of this size, perhaps another year, many of you go on home to glory. My testimony, I have to meet with you up there at that time. I have to stand. And when I get there, by the grace of God, I still have the same testimony I have today. And I'm so glad of that. They have nothing to take back. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus. Now, we're going to read just a portion of his word. We must hurry right away. We've got to drive practically all night tonight in order to be home tomorrow. And then we'll be back at one of your lovely cities in North Carolina, Spindale, beginning Wednesday night. And we'll minister through Sunday. I think that's in a local church. Great part of that has to be preaching service. And then we're going from there to uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. And then there, I think that's an auditorium. That begins the following Wednesday through Sunday. And that'll probably be all every night healing for the sick, if the Lord permits it. So there'll be plenty of seating room where people won't have to stand and so forth. I understand they got a big auditorium down in the city, and we'll be ministering at both these places in your lovely country. This is my first time in life to ever set foot on the soil here when I've been around the world and back again. And so, but the first time to ever be in North or South Carolina, the only two states that I've never been in in my life until this time, I don't mean this to any harm to any other people here from different countries, but you know, as I said, the Lord said one time when he turned water into wine, you have kept the best back to last. I don't mean that to any harm to any other places because the people have been very nice, but you are a nice people because you love the Lord Jesus. I'm reading his word today just for a short message and put just as much time I've instructed the boys to let me stand just as long as I can stand today to pray for the sick. You might wonder why it is. It's so much question that I might tell with these fine minister brothers. Wish I had time to go home with each one of you and talk with you, your fine bunch of brothers. I don't say that just because you're sitting here. Each night when the anointing of the Holy Spirit comes, I feel your spirit and I know you're. That's when he knows you. And I appreciate you. And I think with the little, your cooperation together in the name of the Lord, I believe God will add us to the number of the fold here and 
Columbia and many thousands of people in the coming revival. The reason of weakness, let's see if I could approach it in a childlike way so you would understand. May I say it like this? Most all poets or prophets or spiritual led men are considered neurotic. Do you know that? Let's see. I mean, one of your great Southern writers, Stephen Foster, he was a marvelous man. Many of you have taken the uh, history and read Stephen Foster. He was a wonderful man. And he gave America some of his best folk songs. The old folks at home, Swanee River, Old Black Joe, and many of those famous old songs, Old Kentucky Home. That's just beyond the little place where he wrote that is where I was born. And in the state of Kentucky. But did you notice Mr. Stephen Foster? He would go up into inspiration. And when he was in the inspiration, he'd write a song. Then when he'd come out of the inspiration, he'd get drunk. See, he just lost himself. There's something like being up. It ain't bad while you're there, nor while you're here. It's in between them places that gets you. And finally, after Mr. Foster, you know his history, after writing one of the songs, he got carried away in the inspiration. When he come out, he called a servant and took a razor and committed suicide. You're acquainted probably with William Capper. I stood at his grave in London, England, when I was there praying for King George. And out of his grave, I thought of Mr. Capper. He wrote that famous song, There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. When sinners plunge beneath the flood, lose all their guilty things. You've sang it many times. After writing that song, did you ever read the history of it? He tried to find the river to commit suicide himself. See, he left inspiration. I stood by his grave and wept. I had a feeling for him. He was considered neurotic, nervous, or mentally upset. Let's take prophets. The prophet Elijah after he had called fire out of heaven, called rain out of heaven the same day, and it closed the heavens for three years and six months. After that, he wandered in the wilderness. After the inspiration left him, he wandered for 40 days and nights, not even knowing where he was at. And you know where God found him? Pulled back in a cave. He asked him, what are you doing in here? Inspiration had left him. He was under the inspiration, all right. But look, he killed 40 priest on the hill and come back down and run at the threat of a woman, Jessie Bell, because she threatened his life after standing there because the anointing was on him, but after the anointing leaving him, he was a different thing. Did you notice Jonah? After God had performed the miracle of keeping him in the fish, he went into the city of size of St. Louis, Missouri, and gave a prophecy as he walked through the streets, yet forty days in this city will perish. He gave his prophecy in such force until the people even put sackcloth on their animals. And did you notice when the inspiration left him, set out this little gourd tree, he prayed for God to take his life. See? The thing is, what does it speak of? That when you're up in there, you're in an inspiration. It's beyond what this is here. While you're there, you feel fine. While you're here, you're all right. But it's coming between the two places. And that's what causes the weakness. When you're leaving the place of inspiration, dropping down to the earth again. 
reminds me when I, many years ago when I buried my baby, when we sprinkled the dirt on the grave and the flowers, ashes to ashes and dust to dust, the pine trees are whispering that afternoon. It seemed like I could hear a voice saying, there's a land beyond the river we call the sweet forever. We only reached that shore by faith degree. One by one we gained the portal, there to dwell with the immortal. Someday they'll ring the golden bells for you and me. And that's right. Keep that in mind. And it won't weary you while we're here. My boy and the boys here, they've been with me a long time. They watch me close. And when the inspiration just seems to be getting the best of me, see, if it made the Lord Jesus just one vision to say, I perceive that I've gotten weak. If it made the Daniel, the prophet, weary for several days, upset at his head in a mental condition for seeing one vision, what would it do to us? You understand now? In the book of Luke, the second chapter, the 25th verse, we read this for a text and pray that God will give us the context for just a few moments because we'll let you out. You can go to your different churches tonight. And thanks to all you pastors, to everyone here, and the, I'm sorry to you people, you loving friends that stand on the outside today. I'm sorry you had to stand with, and standing back there, but it's because of the shortage of room. Next time, maybe we'll have room. Amen. Now, the 25th verse. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. The same man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Ghost was upon him. And it was revealed unto him by the Holy Ghost that he should not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him after the custom of the law, then took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now let us thy servant depart in peace according to thy words. For my eyes have seen thy salvation, which thou hast prepared before the face of all people, a light, like the Gentiles, and the glory of thy people Israel. And may the Lord add his blessings to the reading of his most sacred word. <clears throat> During the time of the birth of the Lord Jesus, as we are just read of, just now. News didn't get around then like it does now. They didn't have the press and the radio and television as we have today. But the only way they had of news was from lip to ear. And Jesus had been born in Bethlehem of Judea eight days before this, but it had never been known around the country just by a few people, the Magi's who come to worship him, that's stargazers. Uh, either the shepherds on the hills where the angels came and sang to these shepherds and told them that in the city of David was born Christ the Savior. Simeon, an aged man, an old sage, long flowing beard, gray hair, and he's around in his 80th year, a very high prestige among all the people as a scholar and a teacher of his day. He had a fine standing amongst the Sanhedrin. But one day while out praying, he was one of the elect, the chosen. And now I want you to see it. 
God always, at all times, ever since there's been an earth, he's had someone he could put his hand on and call, this is my servant. Sometimes it comes to just one person, like in the days of Noah, or the time of uh, Elijah and so forth. Sometimes it's just one person, but he's never been without a witness as long as there has been an earth, and he never will be without a witness as long as there is an earth. There's always someone that he can put his hands on and put his trust in and say, this is my servant that will do my will. Wouldn't it be nice today if he could say that about us? This is my servant who I can put my trust in and they'll do my will. Now, what a time. Now, Israel in general at this time had gone away from God. They had backslidden. They had got uh, tangled up and left off to all the supernatural parts of God, fell away from the precepts and had taken the doctrine of God and had made it doctrine of man instead of doctrine of God, and they left off all the supernatural part of God's words, explained it all away, days of miracles passed, and had gotten down to a place where there's just a very small remnant left that really believed in God. And, had, and this old priest, this day that he went out to pray, must have been inspired. Do you believe in inspiration? Sons of God are led by the Spirit of God. The Bible said they are. Led by the Spirit. And David said, there's something about when your inspiration or what you're longing for. And when you strike that, I noticed this morning in speaking, and I'm sorry I kept you people so long in the message. So I noticed in speaking when a certain point would be made. The people's face would flush and some go into tears. And what is it? It's the feeding of the Holy Spirit to the flock. See? Inspiration. Man of God, servants of God, are led by the Spirit of God. Divinely led. Now, many people say that is psychology. Recently, I was speaking with a doctor who told me, said, oh, those people get excited I said, now, doctor, you know that before anyone can become excited, something has to excite them. And in this case, if there's nothing, you can't go down to the alley and without a dark shadow or something, or something there to cause you to get all stirred. What is that standing there? In this case, when you don't see nothing, and it's an excitement, not an exactly excitement, but a glorious feeling that raises the people up. Like I heard the little ladies a while ago singing the hymn, and the people were saying, praise the Lord. What does that? It's not, a, it's a giveaway to an emotional, emotion that's inside of you. May I say it like this, as David said, when the deep calls to the deep, at the noise of our water spouts, the deep calling to the deep. Now listen close. Before there can be a deep in your calling, there has to be a deep out there to respond to that call. And otherwise, before there was a fin on a fish's back, there had to be a water for him to swim in or he had never had the fin. Before there was a tree to grow in the earth, there had to be an earth first for the tree to grow in or there would be no tree to grow in the earth. See what I mean? Recently I was reading, or some time ago, of a little boy 
and he'd eat the erasers off of pencils at school. And his mother found him eating the rubber pedal off of a bicycle. So they didn't know what was wrong with the little fella, and they took him to the clinic, and the doctor giving his blood check and so forth, they found out that his body needed sulfur. And sulfur is in rubber. Now look, there had to be a sulfur to respond to that call, or the call wouldn't have been there. If there was no sulfur to come to that call, the call would never have been there. And then as sure as there is a, a faith that believes in God and wants more of God, there's got to be a God somewhere to respond to that call in the heart. You here today believe in divine healing, don't you? What does that? See, there has to be a fountain open somewhere of divine healing or you would never have that desire in your heart. See, there's got to be a deep to respond to the deep that's calling to the deep. And otherwise, if there is a hunger in your heart to be healed by God, there has to be a God to make that hunger. And otherwise, let me put it like this. Before there can be a creation, there has to be a creator to create that creation. You get it? Then, if you desire to be healed of God, then there's got to be a fountain open somewhere. Now, there's things that you could lay on the psychic side. For instance, I, I love nature. My mother's a half Indian. And there's just enough about it that I was born and raised in the woods. I know nothing but outdoors and hunting. That's the reason I was a game warden, worked in uh, conservation, always in the woods rambling. And many times it's not for the animals, but it's for, there's something about nature that when I see a sunset or a sunrise, I get up early in the mountains, go climb to the top of the mountain just to watch the sunrise. I remember one day while I was herding cattle on a range, I've done quite a bit of riding, and on the Tripod Ranch in Denver, Colorado, out of Denver, about 120 miles on Troublesome River Herbert Association where we grazed there. I was up one year on a hunting trip, and the foreman of the range and I, we all knew the country real well, and we were on elk hunting. And he had taken one section going to what they call the west fork of the river, and I took the east fork, and about five days later we were to come together. I was at least 70 miles from any civilization. Way back in there by myself with a pack horse. That year, while they had had no snow, so tracking was bad, and, and long in October the the rain will rain a while, and then there'll come the snow, and then there'll come uh, sunshine and dry it all off, and it's just kind of spasmodic, the weather is. And I was way high up around the timber line this year, and I was walking along there, and uh, the elk herd was high, the snow hadn't rolled down, and I set down my rifle and was standing there, and it come up a rain, a real hard storm, and I was near a blowdown. And I was standing behind the tree until the storm passed. And when the storm passed, it was cold, turned cold during the rain. And the sun setting in the west, peeping through the crevice of the mountain and flickering against the side of the hill, it formed a rainbow. All the evergreens where it froze, the ice had froze on the evergreens up that high, about 
10,000 feet where I was at, just in Timberline, and the evergreens had froze. And um, as I was standing there and the rain was over and the storm was gone, I turned around, way back there I heard a great big bull elk begin to bugle. I heard another answer over one side, the storm had scattered the herd. Now that might not mean much to the city man, but to me to hear those large, princely beasts bugle, it sends a thrill through you that you have to know it. You have to, to be born to love it. Then way back over on the side of the hill, an old gray wolf sat down and hollered and the mate answered at the bottom. The deep was calling to the deep of my poor Irish heart. Hello, oh God, why do I ever have to leave here? Here's where I was born for. Why do I have to go down and toil among the sick and the people? Let me live here where I'm free. I was born for this country. But as Peter said one time, it's good to be here. Let's build three tabernacles. But at the bottom of the hill, there was sickness to be taken care of in that day. So is there today. While listening to that, I looked around and I looked. And notice in this rainbow, see that all-seeing eye like Jehovah looking through this crevice, this rainbow with the covenant? I tell you, friends, so many people say, Brother Bram, I wish I could see God. That's all I've seen for about 30 years has been Him. You just look around. How could that flower put forth its color? Where did it come from? God is everywhere. Get him on the inside, you can see him on the out. He will declare himself. An old fisherman said one time to me up on the Ohio River where I live, he was coming down the river. He said a little boy was with him, and the little lad was curious. He went to the church, and he said to his mother, Mother, if God is so great, could I see him? She said, Ask the pastor. The pastor said, No, son, no one could see God and live. And he went and asked his Sunday school teacher. She said, You asked the pastor, said, I've asked him. He said, well, why is he, Mother, that if he's so great that someone can't see him? So one day, being up at the river, way up around the six-mile island above Jeffersonville, the old bearded fisherman, gone on to glory, a personal friend of mine, he had the little lad with him. And coming down the river, there come a rain and washed all the leaves off, dry summer. And when he did, a rainbow come across the western skies, or the eastern skies, as the sun was going in the west. And the old fisherman boating along with the tip of the oars, only an oarman or a seaman can appreciate that rhythm of the roar of the boat. And his wife had been gone on to glory long ago, and he kept watching around over his shoulder to that rainbow. After a while, the little lad sitting in the stern of the boat looked at him and seen tears running over his very frosted beard, his white hair hanging under his hat. It aroused the little lad. So he run up to the stern towards the middle of the boat and called out the old man's feet. He said, Sir, I'm going to ask you something that my pastor can't answer, my Sunday school teacher, neither my mother. He said, I have a strange feeling just now, and I'm sure you do too. He said, Can anyone see God? The old fisherman pulled the oars in his lap through his face and his hands and the tears run down his cheeks put his arm around the little lad and said, Son, all I've seen for 50 years has been God. See? There's so much God in the old man's heart. He could see God. 
You can see him if you look. I remember on the instant standing there, if you'll pardon me for leaving my subject. I remember standing there and watching, seeing that rainbow. And I, well, you might say I got worked up emotionally. Maybe I did. But I got to crying. I couldn't help it. Not because I was sad, because I was happy. Hearing the wolf howl, oh, it sent a thrill. That all led me up to see the rainbow. And I remember in the rainbow, he gave a promise. He was to look upon the Bible as Jasper and Sardis stone at the end of both rainbows, the Alpha, the Omega, how his promises through Christ would never fail. He had anchored me in his kingdom, not by my own works, but by grace he had called me, by foreknowledge he had elected. There he had brought me in, and all that comes to me, he will receive, raise him up at the last day, those promises. I got to weeping, then I got to shouting. Don't know whether you believe in it or not, but I, I did it anyhow. You say, well, a fellow said the other day, he said, I don't believe in divine healing, Brother Branham. I said, you're just a little late, Brother. <laughs> yeah. And I began to run around around that tree, just as hard as I could go, giving vent to my feelings. Now, you can call emotions, but to me, it was a deep calling to the deep. I was screaming to the top of my voice. Honest, I believe if they'd have thought they had the Salvation Army out there, someone would have heard me. But there's nobody to hear me. But the Lord, He was the one that was blessing anyhow. And around the tree, I went around and around again and again. And I guess if someone would have come by, they'd put me in a straitjacket and thought I was crazy. But I was just screaming to the top of my voice. And after a while, a little pine squirrel, a little insignificant pine squirrel, I don't know where you have it here or not, little bitty fella, the noisiest thing in the woods, jumped up on a stump in this old blowdown and began looking at me going, chatter, 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 chatter. I thought, well, what are you talking about? So the little fellow all excited, I thought, well, maybe I excited him because I was screaming and hollering. And he, he looked curious and told me his little eyes sideways and this way looking at me. But he was watching down in this brush pile like where these old cops had blowed in. After a while, I thought, God, you know, you're just everywhere. You're out there in that, that wolf. You're over here in this elk herd. Here you are in the pine trees whispering to me, giving me music. There you are in the rainbow. There you are in the sunset. Everywhere I look, there you are. I said, now, why did you interrupt me with this, this little pine squirrel? And I noticed a little fellow very excited. He kept looking down that brush pile. And after a while, a great big eagle that had been forced down in the storm jumped up on a limb. Well, I thought, God, you're somewhere. You, you, you stopped this for some purpose. So why? I'll just study you. And I noticed that big eagle, those great big velvet gray eyes, like as he rolled back and forth watching that kind squirrel and watching me. And I thought, well now, Mr. Eagle, you're God's creature, so what, are, uh, what, what, what did you appear here for? And the little pine squirrel acted like he was going to tear that eagle to pieces. Now, he couldn't do it. He was only about that big. The eagle just picked him up and flew away if he wished to. So, but oh, how he was just uh, jumping up and down. And I watched, and the big eagle watched me, and then he looked at the pine squirrel. Then he looked at me, and I thought, well... 
One thing I can admire in the eagle, he's brave. I know that. That's one thing godly about him. Christians are not cowards. They believe God. They stand on what he says. God's not a coward. And he can't use cowards in his army. You've got to be brave and stand right up to it. Believe him. Take and trust in his word. Not knowing where you're going, but you know you're going his way. And then I noticed this eagle. I thought, what makes you so brave? I said to him, I said, did you know I could shoot you? And he didn't pay any attention to him. But he looked like he watched that squirrel and then watched me. And I thought, well, what makes him so brave? And I kept noticing moving his wings. Seeing that his wings was in operation, condition. I said, I see it, Lord. He trusts in a God-given something that was given to him. God gave him two wings to take him away from danger. And as long as he can feel those wings are in running order, what does he care about danger? I thought if an eagle could do that with two wings, what a man to do that's born again with the Holy Ghost. What a trouble to harm him. As long as you can feel he's around, there's no condemnation. What does diseases or anything else matter to him? What does criticism what does people expect it? Sure, that's what she was given. That's what the eagle was given his wings for, to fly away from trouble. Well, finally, I said to him, do you know I'm quicker with this gun than you are with your wings? He is this much to look at me and say, try it. Because he knew the only thing he had to do was get in that timber, and he'd be lost from me. So I grabbed my gun like that. Watch me move those wings. Oh, big bird, I wouldn't shoot you. I admire you. I admire anything that's got courage. Anything I don't like is a wishy-washy so-called Christian. That's right. I like a man or a woman, say it's God's word. I believe it. I humbly accept it, and I believe it, and live by it. God grant the day when men and women will be just what they profess to be. If I wasn't for Christ, I'd be here today against him. But I believe him. I'm ready to die for the the hope that lies within me, of him. And then I noticed him a little while, and he got tired of listening to that little old squirrel. So he just gave one or two big jumps like that and flopped his wings about twice. He was through the timber. And then something took place that I shall never forget. How that big kingly bird he never flopped no more. He just spread out his wings. And he knew just how to set them. And every wind wave would come in, he just lifted up. 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 He left that little old earthbound, chattering chipmunk or pine squirrel sitting there on the log. And he knew just how to set his wings. He didn't flop and try. He just set his wings. And when the waves of air come in, he just rolled up. And I watched him go up, up, until he's just a little spot. He couldn't hear that chatter no more. Tears began to run down my face. I said, oh, God, that's it. If people only knew how to not jump from pillar to post, not run from one campaign to another, but just set your wings of faith 
in the ways of the Holy Spirit. Right away. On. Past this little day, that chipmunk sitting around, little earthbound creature saying, The days of miracles is past. No such a thing as divine healing. The best of the Holy Ghost is way long ago. Can't be today. Just set your wings and ride away from The demon speaking to the demon. It's a strange thing among animals. You southerners here. Way in the north woods, I used to go and hunt. And watch how God gives animal instinct while we're on it. You hear, you take on, turn your radio on. And the commentator says, tomorrow it's going to be fair weather. And watch that old sow go get the shucks from off of the north side of the hill and bring them around over on the south side of the hill. Don't you pay no attention to that commentator. She knows more about it far more than he does. It's going to turn cold. You watch when them rabbits get right down beneath that stage, get back in the brush piles, watch for snow and bad weather. They know far more about it. They've got a God-given instinct to take them away from danger. Not long ago, standing in my first one of my times, I usually go early in the north woods where I hunt much. And up there, the ducks come out of the south here from Louisiana and Texas, and they go up in the north to make their nest in the slimes of the north up there on the pond. There is a, a bunch of, of slime and the old mother duck goes in there and lays her eggs and the little ones are hatched out. When fall of the year comes along September, those little ducks are pretty good size, fowls and they're able to fly. And over the snow top mountains, there'll come a snow one night and the next day, the cold breeze will come down across that mountain, and the first cold breeze hits that lake. A little drake that was born on that lake, he's never been nowhere but right there. He'll run right out in the middle of that lake, throw that little honker of his up in the air, and honk four or five times, and every duck on the lake will come to him. They know he's a born leader. Though he's never been off of that pond, he was born there that spring. And he'll rise from that pond and go just as straight to Louisiana as he can go. Why? Everyone will follow him. It's instinct. And if God has given a duck sense in it, well, I would have said like that, but instinct to escape. The cold weather, how much more has he given a man the baptism of the Holy Ghost? To heal himself and to keep away. But the thing of it is, ducks know their leader, but man don't know his leader. He'll be led by man and not the Spirit. The Spirit leads man. Jesus is our leader. The Holy Spirit leads us. But we reason it out and say, well, it might have been in that day. It's, he's the same leader today. Amen. He's traveled the roads. He knows what, how to go. Oh, how wonderful it is to watch nature. I can imagine seeing this sage as he was out, our character this afternoon, Simeon, in prayer. And the Bible said that it was revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. 
But he wasn't going to see death until he seen the Lord's Christ. And he believed it. Amen. That's the beauty part. Amen. He believed it. And he wasn't ashamed, or neither did he regard his prestige as a teacher. No doubt that the old man then, probably as we would say today, was one foot in the grave, 80-something years old, and he'd go around and say, Brethren, you know the Holy Ghost told me that I wasn't going to die until I seen the Lord's Christ? It's at hand. You know what the other priest would have probably said to the unbelieving? You know, the old man's just a little bit gone off in the head. Now look at him when David looked for him, all the prophets looked for him, and this old man almost dead now, and us in this kind of time, and then saying he'll see the Christ. There's something wrong with him. There was. He believed God. <laughs> he wasn't ashamed to testify. He said it was revealed to me by the Holy Ghost. That I'm not going to see death until I see the Lord Christ, and I believe it. And he wasn't ashamed to tell us. Now, there's not no two Holy Ghosts. There's only one. Now, let's give a little drama now. It's on Monday morning, and the women are all coming in. There was around two million Jews in Palestine at that time. Perhaps maybe... Two hundred babies was born every day, male babies, maybe more. But then, according to the Jewish law, the mother was to come after eight days and bring her male child and was to offer an offering, a purification for herself, and the child must be circumcised in order to be an Israelite and with the covenant with Abraham, as they kept watching for the coming of the Messiah. It's Monday morning. Oh, it's busy in the temple. Hundreds are coming and going. And Simeon, he feels strange. He goes over in a prayer room to pray a while. Do you ever stop and talk to him when you feel kind of strange like that? He goes over in a prayer room to talk to God a while. Along this long line of mothers standing over on the right-hand side of the temple, just under the big olive wood cherubims with the rock wings, along there stands 200 mothers, we say. And some of them are standing with lovely little babies in fine needlework, little pink shawls on and little blue shawls detecting the... Oh, what they thought about the baby and the little fine needlework and the things that they had, the mothers and their little dainties. Let's look along that line. But one of the most curious sights I've seen stands along there. There stands a little girl about 18 years old. And I mean people are keeping their distance from her. I hear a woman say, don't stand around where she's at. That baby was born without a, a father, holy wedlock. That baby was born before, was to be here before they were even married. But the little mother holding the baby in her arms, a peasant's offering. You know, a rich child could offer a lamb, but if they were poor, they could offer two turtle doves. So the mother 
perhaps had two turtle doves to make the offering. I look at the nice little needlework on every little baby's jacket. But this little young lady there with her little blushing cheeks, a veil over her face, she rocked her baby, not in needlework, but in swatman's cloth. You know what swatman's cloth is? It's the, the wrapping on the back of the yoke of an ox where he's plowed. They didn't have anything to wrap him in. And so they just took the wrapping off of the ox in the stable and wrapped him up after the king of heaven. And here he is with his darling mother and the church persecuting and making fun. Don't stand near her. But in her poor little mother heart, she knew who that baby belonged to. And no matter how much a born-again Christian is lost that today, in their hearts, they know what they got cradled there. Don't make any difference what the world says. They know. I can see her as she pats his little cheek. Although he's got wrappings off of the back of the ox yoke on him, but it's her baby anyhow. No matter what they say, she knows in her heart the Holy Ghost said that. She holds him in her arms. She's just as proud of him as they move up and everybody keeping their distance. And as one said, I wonder what's the matter with her. That must be an extremely poor child there. Look how it's dressed. And then we think that dressing means something. When a king of glory was wrapped in swatman's cloth. But we have to have the very best of clothes. Our hair all fixed up pretty before we can sing in the choir. Shame on you. And she held him to her bosom. She kept her head down. She wasn't noticing what people were saying. She was interested in what God had said. That's the way every believer is. Not what people think, but what God has said. As she moves a little, as the line moves up, there is a greater than Solomon. There's the cornerstone of the temple. There's the Lord of glory in his own temple. Look how he's looked at. Could you expect much better today? Certainly not. The world's crueler today than it was then. But there she goes. Now, if God has made a promise, listen, I want you to get it and soak way deep on the left side under the fifth rib. If God has made a promise, God's duty bound to keep that promise. Now, God promised Simeon by the Holy Ghost that he was going to see the Christ. God's duty bound to that promise. God makes a promise, God keeps it. Now here's Simeon over there perhaps reading Isaiah. Oh, we like sheep have gone astray. The Lord laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Surely he has borne our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, smitten and stricken of God, that he was wounded for our transgressions, his bruised for our iniquity. 
The chastity of our peace is up on him. With his stripes we were healed. Lord, who is this person that the prophet speaks of? Could that be the Messiah that you told me I would see? And he's standing out the temple in his mother's arms. Just then the Holy Ghost said, Simeon! Yes, Lord! Stand on your feet. Start walking. Amen. God keeps his promise. It's time to move, Simeon. The time has come. You've been longing. The deep's been calling to the deep. Now the deep is in the building to respond to that call. That's likewise today. You who believe in divine healing, been taught so, felt that it was a God that could heal. Of course, you've seen him heal others. He's led you here today like he led Simeon. Man are led by the Holy Ghost. Today, just the same as they were led then. And the deep called, and there had to be a deep to respond. And when the responding deep came into the building, it's God's duty to push the one into the presence of the deep to respond to the call that's in the deep. Amen. For the Creator Himself had created that in His heart. And there had to be a Creator to respond to His creation. Amen. So the Creator was in the building. He was in the world. The world was made by Him. The world knew Him not. He was the Creator. And He's still the Creator. There He was in the building. Simeon raises up under the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And he starts walking. Which way, Lord? That's not up to you, Simeon. Just keep walking. That's the way God does it. Just keep walking. How am I going to get out of this chair? How am I going to come out of this car? How am I going to do this? That's not none of your business. Just keep walking. Keep moving. How am I going to get there? I don't know the doctor said I'll die. Just keep walking. The promise is to you. How can I live the Christian life? Just keep walking. Keep cowering in front of you and keep moving. She moves on. And in a few moments, we see him come out the door, led by the Holy Ghost. Here he comes for milling through the crowd, not knowing where he's going, but God's duty bound to his word. He's got to drag him, lead him right to the fountain of his promise. And you who believe in God, come out here in the way you have today. If you believe in divine healing, the same Holy Ghost has led you to this meeting. He's given you the promise. What are you going to do about it? Simeon walks on. He has this line of women. The Holy Ghost said, turn this way, Simeon. Here he goes, down along the line of women. Well, what's fixing to happen? That's none of your business, Simeon. Just keep walking. And he walks on down. And you're within 15 feet distance of everybody else. Everybody bypassing this little bashful girl with her baby in her arms was 
swaddled cloth wrapped around him. And she wiped the tear and a grin on the cheek. The Holy Ghost said, Sinner, the promise I made you, don't look for big things. You're standing by us. This is it. Sinner restored. And when he made a move, something happened in his heart. He reaches over to the mother, picked up the baby, and said, Lord, let your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which is sent for a light in the tent house. People didn't pay attention to that. They said, the old man's crazy. They'll say the same thing about you. But make your choice who you're going to believe. Follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. Just a moment before closing. Way back over in the corner was an old woman sitting over there. She was blind. A prophetess. The spirit of prophecy was upon her. And she prophesied, and she too was watching for the consolation of Israel. Why? She was a prophetess. You can't be in spiritual contact with God and ever doubt anything he said in his word. She was waiting, for, and she was blind. And the Holy Ghost said, And stand on your feet. That one that you've looked for is here. And here she comes, led by the Holy Ghost, milling around the clouds, blind and know where she's going, but led by the Holy Ghost. She comes and stood there where singing was, said, let me have you. If the Holy Ghost can lead a blind woman to a milling crowd, how much more can it lead you to the fountain of life? the same Holy Ghost that led her and led Simeon because they were looking for God's promise has led you this afternoon because Jesus Christ said when he was here on earth I'll do nothing of myself i only do what I see the Father by vision do then i do it likewise and he said a little while and the world will see me no more yet you shall see me for I'll be with you even in you to the end of the world. Then you are ye. The world is at the jamboree. The world is on the fear joint. But he said, ye shall see me. The world won't see me anymore, but ye shall see me to the end of the world. That's why you're led here this afternoon by the same Holy Ghost. And he is here. And may you make your decision to embrace him into your heart as Simeon of old. And may you, with strong arms of faith, cradle him into your bosom today and take him as your Savior and healer. Is my prayer. Shall we pray? Our dear Heavenly Father, pages turn over in the Bible now. This meeting will soon be history. 
maybe not of the world, but why keep the history now? Soon you're coming. But the history of the meeting will be on the pages of the book of life. People's decisions and how they acted concerning you. May everyone this afternoon be like Simeon of old. Sit quiet and look to you and say, Father, thou hast led me. And I hear the leading of your spirit. And I now believe on you. And Father, I pray that you will let everyone make their decision and come to thee now. While we have our heads bowed. Is there a person here that say, Brother Brandon, I raise my hands to God today to say that I haven't lived the right kind of life, but I now want to accept Jesus as my Savior. I want you to remember me in a word of prayer. Would you raise your hands inside or out? Anywhere. Put up your hands way up high. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Someone up. God bless you. Up at the balconies. I see you. Anybody here that's been backslidden and say, God, I feel a sweet thing, and I just noticed just now the little girl. Bless her little heart. Would you raise your hand and say, God, be merciful to me. I, I want to live a closer life to Christ from this day on. Would you raise your hand to him? Right in his presence. God bless you. Many of your hands up. And outside, I see your hands from the outside. All right. Jesus said in his own words, St. John 5, 24, He that heareth my words and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but is passed in death to life. And no man can come to me except me by raising hand or whatever way it is, except my Father draws him first. Heavenly Father, I give this audience to thy hand. And let the word of God sink deeply into their souls. May every sinner be saved and backslider come back to church and to God. Grant it, Father, or to God and that church. Grant it, Lord. May the sick be healed today. And may you send Jesus to fulfill your word, your scripture. And may he today, while this little group of sincere people are gathered together, while thousands are out amusing themselves with the pleasures of this world. Surely, Lord, Moses was sent only to Israel. The message are to believers. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that you bless these handkerchiefs that are laying here also to the sick and needy. Now appear on the scene, Lord, Father, and declare yourself the risen Lord. Bless this people, Father. May everyone now Take the words that have been said today, though mixed up as they were, and may you just separate them and place them rightly into their hearts. And may they go away from here saying like Cleopas and that his friend, did not our hearts burn within us as he talked to us by the way. For we ask it in the name of thy loving child, the Lord Jesus. Amen. To every person that raised your hand and to those who did not raise your hand, I'm going to ask you if you will do something for me, not for me alone, but for yourself and for God mainly. As soon as the service is over, the prayer for the sick, 
Will you come up around the altar here? You're a Christian when you raise your hand and in your heart accept Christ. You become a live person. God's word is true. He that heareth my word and believeth on him and sent me hath that present in eternal life. Now, but what you need, you need the baptism of the Holy Spirit to put you in the body of believers. You believed unto life, but now God baptizes you with the Holy Ghost in the church for service. Now, that may be just a little contrary. If it is, I didn't mean to say it, but I have sometimes don't pay me. Well, anyhow, you come to Christ. Just believe the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart. And believe with all your soul. And the pastor is where you belong. Now, if you don't belong to any church, look sitting here behind me. If I lived in this city and was like you around where these ministers are, they believe in this type of ministry or they wouldn't be here to represent it. They believe it. Now, you go to them and shake the hands of the pastor and say, Pastor, I want you to baptize me. And I want you to instruct me how I must receive the Holy Spirit. I want to become a real, true, baptized saint of God. I, and they'll instruct you. They know how to do it. And you go to Won't you do that for me now? And when I come back, I want to shake your hand and say, Oh, Brother Brown, I'm so happy. I was once burdened and out of the world and so many things was so wrong with me. But now I'm, it's all over. I'm happy and free. I belong to this fine church down here. And they, and they are teaching me divine healing and the powers of God. And I'm just enjoying myself so much. I want you to do that. Fellow pilgrim on the road with me now to glory. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're not here to harm one another. We're here to help one another. We're here to go along. Now, I'm sitting in a wheelchair. A young fellow, a little boy sitting here. My, I wonder back in the audience, there may be people back there with more serious things than that, maybe with heart trouble, going to die in the next few days. Maybe someone with cancer passed going. Oh my, something isn't done, they're going to die. The doctors is looking and said, I can't do no more. It's between you and God now. And the doctor's done all he can do, then I come to try to help you to get to God. See? Not to take you away from your doctor, not to take you away from your church, but to help bring you to Christ so you can believe. And he's done so many things, Christian. I, I just believe he does all things well. And that's why I'm here to help Now, I can heal you here, this boy here, any of you out there that's suffering and sick, wish I could do it. If I could do it, I'd sure do it. You believe that, don't you? But I can't. I'm just a man. But by the grace of God, he has given me a gift to see visions. And that was only done not because I merited it. That, I wish I could trade it for any good preacher to go out and preach and just walk out right now and make my altar call. You don't know the sorrows that go with this. You just don't understand. Five years ago, six years ago, I was strong, shoulders straight, once had the Bantamweight Championship of the three states, full head of hair, not a wrinkle in my face. That's what five years has done for me. See? What will another five do? But here's what it is. When the end comes, and I done fought my last battle, preached my last sermon, and I stand where the breakers are dashing against my soul, and I know I'm going. 
I want to stick the old sheep back in the shield. Take off my helmet. Say, God, send out the lifeboat. I'm coming home this morning. He'll be there. Don't worry. I want to meet you. Sit down by the evergreen trees where the angelic choir is singing all the time, for there's no night. It's all day. I want to meet you there and say, oh, brother, you might have went through a lot of call and things, but I heard that one day I watched Christ work by you, and I believe that here I am. I'm so happy. Oh, how good that would be then. Say, come over to my house. I'll be here on the hill. Visit with me just a thousand years, you see. It won't be very long, just a thousand years, I've been thinking. That's what I want to do. That's why I'm gradually dying as I am. But it's for his glory, and I love to do it. Wish I had a thousand lives I could live for him. Now, Billy, I forgot to ask where's he at. The press cards? How many? One hundred. One to a hundred? See the side of the class? Now, it's been a little while, and I'm going to be the vine, and you're going to be the branches. Now, the, the vine only energizes the branch. The, the vine doesn't bear fruit. The branch bears fruit. How many knows that? You don't pick it off the vine, you pick it off of the branch. And who is the branch? The church. The branch. Well, now, if the, line, if the vine has a certain life in it, won't that same life be in the branch? Is that right? It's got to be. Wish we had time to preach that unconditional covenant to you for a few days and show you just how God gets into that branch and what kind of fruit it is. Notice, but when he was here on earth, he was divine. And when he's gone away, he's still divine and made us the branches. Now, he doesn't have any eyes on earth but yours and mine. No hands but mine and yours. We are his mouthpiece, earpiece, and eyes and so forth of the earth. Is that right? Because his literal, physical body sits at the right hand of God the Father on the throne of God in heaven as a, a mediator or an offering, a sacrifice. And there's no other mediator between God and man but that man Christ Jesus. Get that? No other mediator, no saint or nothing else, no man, no nobody, but Jesus Christ himself. He's the mediator between God and man. The Bible says that. Now watch. What kind of works did he do here on earth? Let's follow you and see what he did then. One of his first miracles performed after laying hands on some sick, one of his disciples, now this is for the newcomers, went over and by the name of Philip went over and found Nathaniel praying under a tree several miles from him, brought the man back, and the man said, when Philip saw him, he said, Come see who we found, Jesus of Nazareth. And this man from the Orthodox Church raised up and said, Could any good thing come out of Nazareth? He said, Come see. That's the best answer I know to give anybody. Come see, find out for yourself. If you don't believe Jesus is raised from the dead, come find out. I've challenged that before hundreds of thousands of heathens, witch doctors, devil workers, fire eaters. Never has he failed. And he never will. He can. God. Then, 
They come see. So he, they went along the road talking. He said, I'll tell you, as we went along, you know the Messiah was supposed to do signs and wonders. Yes, this is him. <laughs> Wait till I get there and see. So he walked right up in the crowd, standing like you are there. Jesus praying for the sick. Jesus looked around and said, Behold, there's an Israelite in whom there's no God. Well, how do you know he was a believer? What astonished him? He said, Rabbi, when did you know me? Oh, he said, but Philip, before Philip called you, when you were under the tree praying, I saw you. And the Jews were standing there. The priests and the Orthodox from the big church, real scholars and educated men out of the seminary, they said, that's the devil. That's Beelzebub. He's the chief of all the fortune tellers. And that's what's doing it. Jesus said, you can speak that against me, it'll be forgiven. But when the Holy Ghost comes and does the same work, you speak one word against that, it'll never be forgiven in this world the world to come. But what did the man do to Samuel when he heard that? He said, Rabbi, thou art the king of Israel, you are the son of God. He recognized that that was the son of God. By doing that sign. If that would be the sign of the Son of God saying, and he's raised from the dead, would not that be the sign of the Son of God the day after he promised he would do the same thing? When the woman at the well was told of her sin, she's just a woman. Jesus went to talking to her. He talked to her lengthy. And he said, go get your husband. He found her trouble. She said, I don't have any husband. He said, you got five. She said, now listen. Sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. She said, now we know that when the Messiah comes, he'll do these things. You tell us all things. But who are you? Jesus said, I'm he. It speaks to you. Look, if that was the sign of the Messiah for the Jews, it was the sign of the Messiah also when he was here on earth for the Samaritans, there's only one left for the sign. That's the Gentiles. Jesus was killed before, and sacrifices made before the Gentiles, and Paul and Peter and those coming along vindicating with the same sign of the resurrected Lord Jesus. Amen. If that was the sign of the Messiah then, it's the sign of the Messiah today. Now, how many newcomers, first time being here, if Jesus will come to this platform and do the very same thing, that he did back there. And look, now you say Jesus healed everybody. You're mistaken. He didn't heal everybody. Certainly he didn't. He went through a pool of people. The Bible said, St. John 5, a great multitude, thousands of lame, halt, blind, withered, twisted, waiting for the moving of the water. And Jesus went right through that crowd. He had seen a vision where God had showed him someone laying on a pallet, went over there and healed him and turned around and walked away. Is that scripture? Certainly is. And the Jews questioned him. They questioned him today. But watch what he said, St. John 5, 19. He said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the Son can do nothing in himself, but what he sees the Father doing. That does the Son like God. Is that right? St. John 5, 19. Now, he'll do the same today. Now, let me say this one more thing. If there would be a chance, I speak in the name of Jesus Christ. You're not understanding, you'll have to take my word. 
But if the Holy Spirit comes today and performs the work that he did, do you realize that unclean spirits and things will lead people? Do you realize that you're an open sepulcher for them? Do you know diseases go from one to another? You remember the other night when we talked what it was? It's spiritual. Cancer is about a life matter. It's a life. Certainly it is. It's got a master behind it. The devil. Jesus said so. All kinds of diseases. Demons. And if you are unbelieving or sick, I ask you as a friend of Christ, don't stay any longer in the meeting. I'd go out. Because you don't, I haven't time to explain it to you. But there's hundreds of people today that's been in the meeting and stricken down with cancer and paralyzed and some of them insane and in the institutions and so forth. Well, spirit is left one to the other. Noted man. I have their names with seals on it by notary public and so forth. That is true. So now, don't, don't be critical. Believe. If you can't believe, then I believe and if you heard the message, may sometime the Lord Jesus bless you and bring you to another meeting. Now, we shall pray. And now, Father dear, all the words I would say to the evening wouldn't amount to as much as one word you would say. My word is just the servant's word. Your word is the word of a master. And Father dear, I have tried to say to this your heritage that you have died for them to save them and to heal them. And if they will only believe you and believe that you are alive today and not dead, and you're here, raised from the dead, and performing the same things that you did, no man can never raise above that to do what God anoints and shows what to do. Then, Father, I pray that this city and these people that you have given to me today to teach to, that there will never be another doubt in their heart, but they will believe in you today with all their heart. And these newborn babes that's just come to you, God, speak to their hearts definitely now and let them know that the Jesus that they just accepted is the live one, the one who will never die no more. And will come someday to take all that has their name on his book to a better world where we'll live, eat, drink, build houses and inhabit them, and enjoy ourselves together with him forever and ever. Now, Father, will you anoint your unprofitable servant as I yield myself to your spirit. May you use these unworthy hands, unworthy lips, unworthy eyes for your service. But God, I am so unworthy. But if you look for worthiness, where would you find it? It's not on earth, Lord. There's no one worthy. But it's the grace of Jesus the Son of God who has granted this to the people, knowing that the Scriptures must be fulfilled. These I commit into your hands, Father. May you reap the results and help thou me in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. The Lord be with you. Usually the meetings have been in such a condition to I hardly know where I am. I've enjoyed being here.
God be with you till we meet again. Praise our name. Now we will pray for the sick. If you bring the person. God, in this prayer line, are you all strangers to me? How many here are strangers to me? Let's see your hands. Everybody. You're everyone strangers. Knowing one person in the building I know, and that's this boy sitting there and this one standing here. And my boy's here somewhere. He's around here somewhere, my boy. And I know this is the pastor standing here. Brother Big D. Outside of that, there are strangers. I don't know you, but God knows you. I wish I could do something for you people sitting here. I see, maybe if you don't have prayer cards, either your number wasn't called. You don't have to have prayer cards. Let me show you. How many here doesn't have prayer cards and wants to be healed? Raise your hand. So you don't have to have prayer cards. You have to have faith. Now, Jesus is the same. The only thing that I do is to yield myself to him, his spirit. Tell us, it's not my gospel. It's his. It's not my word at stake. It's his. So I will not fear. You'll do all things well. Now, here's a lady standing here. If you wish to, you can come up just a little closer, lady. You and I being perfectly strangers to each other, I suppose. First time we've ever met or been this close together in life. If that's all, raise up your hand. <clears throat> now, the woman's standing here for some purpose. I don't know. God knows I don't know. But he knows this woman. And now, what if it was exactly the same thing if this woman was just like the woman who came to the well where Jesus Christ was sitting up against the side of the well? What would he do to this woman? Now, what if the woman's sick? She might not be. But what if she is sick? Could, if Jesus was standing here with this suit on that he gave me, could he heal the woman? Be careful. No, he couldn't. He couldn't do it twice. He's done it once when he died at Calvary. Do you believe that? See, you wasn't saved last week. You wasn't saved five minutes ago. You were saved 1,900 years ago when Jesus paid the price for it. You accepted it five minutes ago. Same thing with healing. Now, but if he being the resurrected Son of God, and he was standing here in a corporal body like mine, he would say to the woman and say, Oh, Jesus, I want you to heal me. You know what he'd say? I did that when I died for you. Don't you believe my vicarious suffering and death at Calvary that I was wounded for your transgressions and with my stripes you were healed? That's all he could say. If he'd done anything more, he'd break the gospel. Is that right, minister? He'd break the gospel. He couldn't. It's already finished. Everything a Christian has is his faith resting in the finished works of Calvary. Everything was finished and completed, and we rest our faith in the finished works. Any gift that says anything different from that, don't believe it. It's not of God. Because therefore the price is paid, therefore everything was finished right there. But I said gift in the church. Now, if this woman... Me talking to her, just to carry a conversation like Jesus, the angel of the Lord. Well, I've seen it here this morning on something. Have you got one here, sir? It's in one of the pictures. Have you got one, Gene? That's just a portion of it on there, Sonny. Um, that was taken 
It's just the end of it. Well, anybody got one of the pictures in hand? We won't spell on Sunday, that's all. But we got it. You're taking in Washington, D.C., and copyrighted, and it's taken in Houston, Texas, it's taken again in Germany, it's taken again at Little Rock, Arkansas, and it's been taken many times. And that same angel of God is not five feet from where I'm standing right now. That's right. That's the reason I feel satisfied. He did. I wouldn't make a challenge like that if I didn't know he was here. But making a challenge like that with the purchase of Christ's blood before me, you have to know what you're speaking of. Now, if he speaks, then that's him. You can doubt me. It's all right. But if you doubt him, you'll repent for it or never seen. That's right. And if you make fun of it or criticize it, there's never forgiveness in this world or the world to come, says Jesus. Now, that's a serious thing to think. Now, sister, me not knowing you, the reason I called you sister, because you are a believer, your spirit, as I witness to you, feels welcome. So then you're not a critic. You are here for help. And I don't know you. But if Jesus Christ will tell me what you are here for, Will you accept it just like the woman at the well said, why, you must be a prophet? And we know that when Jesus comes, or Christ, he'll do these things. Then if he's raised from the dead, as I said in my sermon, then he's here, or the Bible says, rather, that he's raised from the dead to do the same things, then you know the resurrected Jesus is here. Will the rest of you believe with all your heart? Would you believe on the stretcher lady? Will you believe in the wheelchair there? Would you believe over here, all of you? The woman now perfectly strange, we don't know one another, and I'm trusting in him. Now, I go to meet her in a way of faith, in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, if the operator will watch the microphone, I don't know just how loud I'm speaking at times for the audience to hear it or not. That's between God. The woman is aware that something's going on. She knows that she's in the presence of something besides a man, her brother. It's the presence of God, because between me and her now stands that fire whirling around. A woman is very conscious of it. If she can, raise her hand at this time, if you're conscious of that. The lady is suffering, I see her, with a, a mental nervousness. She's all upset about something. And I see her getting something on her arm. Oh, it's, it's a blood check, and it's a high blood pressure she's got. And she's got, I see them look over the heart. With the garment looking over the heart here, it's a heart trouble. Got a heart trouble, too. And then there's something that's looking in the throat. It's a growth on the inside of your throat. That's thus saith the law. Now you know whether that's true or not. You're the witness of that. Is it true? Now do you believe that Jesus? Now you know something has to come here to tell me that. Is that right? Do you believe that it's the Son of God in His resurrection power to fulfill His word? Do you believe that? Then do you accept Him now as your healer? Then, Lord God of heaven and earth, I now condemn the disease of this believer's body and ask for her healing in Jesus Christ's name. 
the Lord and rejoice this day. Be happy. Be over your sickness. Amen. Now you believe or the Spirit. You know they might be just that one woman. You say maybe she come with me. I don't know the woman. Now, the man before me is a stranger. I don't know him. I've never seen him. Is that right, sir? If it is, raise your hand. The man is a stranger. Not a stranger before God. Now, sir, you're here for something. It's in your heart. And I don't know. But if God will reveal it, will you accept it? You're very seriously sick. There's a dark shadow over you. There's two of them. One of them is the spirit of epilepsy. And the other one is a condition of the stomach. It's causing hemorrhages to break forth. I see a doctor examine you. Look at that stomach. And he says that it's even as bad as cancer in your stomach. That's what he told you. That's exactly are you believers? Yes. Will you accept it? Then go in the name of Jesus Christ. Have faith in God. No doubt. Believe all things are possible. Now, I cannot heal. It's your faith in God that does the healing. The lady before me being a stranger that I've never seen, I suppose. Are we strange? Perfect strangers. Have faith in God. Don't die. Now, it's people out there. See, their faith operates in the same as you. I'm sending you out if I can, you see, to talk to you. But their faith is one, just like your faith will have to operate. It's not me. <laughs> I, I, I'm not him. I don't know, you see. It takes your faith in me to believe that, see? Just like their faith is leaving, and it's just pulling everywhere. But maybe if I can just keep your spirit in line. You're very weak, and you've been somewhere to a place where they've had you in bed. It's a hospital. You just come from the hospital for sinus, trying to set you in awful weak condition. That dust saith the Holy Spirit. Do you believe now? You believe it, God? You're supposed to go back, but you won't have to if you believe with all your heart. Will you believe it? Lord Jesus, I bless this daughter of God and condemn the enemy in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a good courage, sister. Believe on him now, Lord, and worship him in the spirit. Amen. Now you're just bleeding everywhere. Would you bring the doctor or whoever? <clears throat> Nervous, aren't you? 
You look at you just straight at me, your arm is folded, but you're suffering with a nervous trouble. You were praying, wasn't you, that God would make me speak to you. You promised God, if I would speak to you, you'd believe in me. Is that right? Is that your prayer? That's right. Raise your hand. How do I know your prayer? Mm -hmm. All right. You're healed. I wonder now if you'd do a favor for me. Do you believe now that the nervous is gone from you? There's a lady sitting right next to you with cancer. Right. Is that right, lady? Now, you lay your hand over on her. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of the Holy Child Jesus, stretch forth his hands today, Lord. Empower and faith and condemn that blackness over us. And may she be healed through Jesus Christ's name. Amen. If thou canst believe, oh, I challenge your faith. No, no, I take every spirit under my control in the name of Jesus Christ. You believe on him. Don't you doubt. Get all that funny feeling away from you. That's the only thing keeping you from being made well. You believe God will heal you that God by the trouble sitting right back there? You believe with all your heart? Will you accept it? If you will, you can have it all. God bless you. Raise up your hand. He heals you. See? You don't need your prayer. You don't need any prayer card. You need faith. I seen the woman when she was trying to eat, and it was coming back up in her mouth, and just uh, the gall and stuff in her throat. That's right, isn't it, lady? Raise your hand. It's all gone now. Your faith. What did that? The same like the woman touched the hem of his garment. Well, you said she touched his garment, but the Bible said he's a high priest that can be touched by the feeling of our infirmities. What is what's wrong with you? It's free that I came in prayer and say, Lord, heal me. Watch what he'll do. That settles it. He's raised from the dead. He's the living Jesus. Oh, doubt in my mind. Oh, what should more people, millions in the world, more worthy of the task of, the, of proclaiming Jesus Christ than I am? That's true. I'm nothing. The least among you, I was born out of season. Amongst you poor gospel people, I was a bastard. And you know more about the scripture maybe than I do, but I know the author of it real good. And I know that it's here. And I know who I'm in here. His divine love for you is the one. Finger up to your jaw like that sitting down there. Praying, got a stomach trouble and wants God to heal you. I ain't reading your mind, but that's the truth. You're praying for God to... You said, Lord, just speak to me. Is that right? If it is, wave your hand. The lady with the stomach trouble, you're healed. That's right. Your stomach trouble's over. Go eat your hamburger. It's all right. Your faith has healed you. I have nothing to do with it. I don't know you. Never seen you. 
but your faith touched him and he spoke. I saw a vision break over you. Seen you trying to hold your food in your mouth with your hands. It's a peptic ulcer. But it's over now. You're going to be well. And, wonderful. Sir, the man just pulled himself in front of you. You got a hernia. But you believe God will make you well? Hallelujah! <laughs> 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 it was this faith that did that. <laughs> God be praised. If thou canst believe, all things are possible. But you must believe. How do you do, ladies? You believe me to be his servant? You know that I have, I don't know you. But Christ knows you. Now it's going to be your attitude towards him. And if he said, if you get the people to believe you, not believe me as him, but believe that I am here under his orders. I never come myself. He brought me here. I can't do nothing for you. Only thing I can tell you is what has been done for you. And if I tell you as a man, then you still could believe that by your preacher. Because you're a Christian. And they have the Spirit of God. But you're wanting help. Just a little boost in faith. Now, if God will explain to me what you're here for, will you accept it and believe it? You will. The first place, as the woman is leaving me, I see her at a table, and she's refusing to eat because she has stomach trouble. And she's at a place where there's somebody looking through her into her bowels. It's a doctor, and he says she's got a, something wrong in the colon. He calls it a stoppage or a block or something in the colon, the doctor did. I've seen it on a paper there that he was writing on. That's right. That's thus saith the Lord. There was two of them who saw it that. That's right, two, two of them. <laughs> you believe me to be his prophet? Now, here's another thing. I see someone standing by you. It's a child, a little fellow about 10 years old, and he's here with you today, and he suffers with a migraine headache. That's right. Amen. I'll take that handkerchief in your hand and lay it on him, and it is to leave him. Go in peace and may the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, grant these blessings. Don't fear, mother. Believe. Oh, man. Have faith. Have faith in God. Don't doubt. How do you do, sir? We're strangers to each other. You believe? Oh, my. Be ready now. Something happened. If I could only find it, 
see you again, sir. Of course, you're wearing glasses. Your eyes are bad, and you wouldn't have glasses on. Of course, the man of your age actually has to have reading glasses. As you pass 40 years of age, your eyeballs actually get black. You have reading glasses after that, but your eyes are bad. But I see someone up here by you. It's a woman. You're standing for someone else. That's your wife. And she's not here. And she's suffering with arthritis. That handkerchief that you wipe the tears from your eyes, let's go lay it on her. Believe that as you believe, for all of you receive in the name of the Lord Jesus. God bless you, my Lord. Don't fear. You believe that Jesus Christ made her well? You do, you can have what you ask for. The elderly gentleman. Have faith in God. You do? Then you can have what you ask for. God bless you. You may be elderly. Something's happened to you too, hasn't it? See, you hear me now. Your ears come open. I trust you find your wife well. May the Lord bless you, my dear brother. Let's say praise the Lord.
The man that just jumped and shook his head, he thought it was nervousness. He'd like to get well, too. The man raised up his hands, had eye trouble for a long time. He wants to get all that he don't deserve. You can't hide your life. He's yours. Lady, does I believe? I don't know you. Never seen you. But God does know you. Look at me. Believe. You've been away for an examination or something. And they examined the chest. And they found infection. Right. Chest x-ray. And you got to go back. Now I see a man appear. And that man is relation to you by marriage. He's your brother-in-law. He has kidney trouble and stomach trouble. That's just there for the Lord. Now it's your faith, do you believe? Then go and receive what you've asked for and lay the handkerchief on the other party's body in the name of the Lord Jesus. Have faith. Ladies, the thing that you have is killing more people than anything. The heart trouble. But how many people out there have got heart trouble? Let's see your hand. You can be healed at the same time. She's healed if you believe it. Do you believe it? Then raise your hands and hold your hand. Dear God, in the name of the Lord Jesus, the Son of God, I condemn this enemy. You can puzzle the doctors, but you'll never puzzle God. Come out of In the name of Jesus Christ, may you go. God bless you, lady. Have faith and believe. You believe? Come on. There's just some suffering there. Cancer, but God can heal. There's no job for him to heal cancer. If you believe, every person with cancer, raise your hand now. Be ready for your healing. Listen, sister. I have never in my life, God knows my hand on my Bible, ever seen anybody stand here without something happened to him. He promised it. Now, by God's grace, I'll tell you this now, but your things coming here, the cancer's gone from you now. But now, if you'll just keep believing, I'll ask you something. As soon as I spoke to you, come up here, a strange feeling struck you. If that's right, raise your hand. That's when the cancer left you. See? Now, it's gone now that he'll walk into our places and try to return. Ask your pastor, he's been instructed as we did the other night. Now go believing with all your heart and be well. And to confirm this, I lay my hands on this mother in the name of Jesus Christ and ask that the power of the devil will stay off of her. Amen. Go believing now, having faith. Lady, you believe me to be God's prophet, uh, God's servant? I'm not beside myself, but if God will tell me what's your trouble, I'm just getting so weak I can't look much more. 
Would you believe? Then go eat your dinner. Your stomach's got to let you. That's what it was. Have faith in God. Because I told you your back trouble left you when you were standing right down there. Would you believe it? Thank God. Have faith in God. You're up for an operation. Take that tumor out. But God can remove it if you believe it. Do you believe it? Then receive your healing. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Go ahead and eat. Your stomach trouble's gone, son. Hallelujah! Holy Christ! Christ, the Son of God, lives! Amen! Little laddie, bless your little heart, honey. Just a baby boy. Come here for me. Oh, bless his little heart. Honey boy, do you believe Jesus Christ, the Son of God, if he was ready to lay his hands up on you? You'd get well, wouldn't you? You'd quit that old coughing, wouldn't you? That old asthma would leave you. It would leave you, too, if you'd believe it. You'd come here today in an ambulance, a big white Cadillac ambulance, suffering like that lady. Don't you believe? <laughs> if you want to, you can rise up out of that cot and push the thing home and go home and be well. Hallelujah! Won't you obey God? And they have you believe. And stand over your feet. I challenge every person in Jesus Christ's name, no matter what's wrong with you. Oh, God, I plead for mercy. <laughs> Satan, you're a loser. You're exposed. You blessed. You can't hold God's people longer. I challenge you. In the name of Jesus Christ, you unbelieving spirit, come out of these people and get out of them. <laughs> and you're every one of you. In the name of the living God, Jesus Christ, to rise to your feet and be made more. 